Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
My hand is not mine, and it's waiting to touch you. There is a force that privileges a very select few, unfairly, it would seem, as they've done nothing to earn the favor. It was that same force that decided I should be born to squalor, suffering all the concomitant indignity promised by such a condition. Accordingly, I have chosen to defy, spite, that nameless force, by killing all those who are dear to it. Because of my pursuit, I've become acquainted with the comforts of the privileged, if only very briefly. I have eaten their foods, driven their vehicles, worn their clothing, spent their money, and I have read the untouched books lining the shelves of their sprawling libraries, all while their corpses stiffen, their dead eyes looking on. All that I have acquired, become has come at their ultimate expense, or, more accurately, at its expense, the discerning will of the world. <laughs> it's little wonder why Wicked and I get on so well, though our methods couldn't differ more wildly. Naturally, my knowledge of the unseen world, which seemed to be getting more visible all the time, came from pilfered wisdom. In this case, a pilfered preprint written by one of my highest-profile victims, Dr. Warner Prescott. Born to prestige and power and wealth, he made his reputation by stealing the research of others, not content with all the world had already willed him. After slipping through a carelessly unlocked window and balancing the good doctor's karmic checkbook, I dug deeply into his work or the works he'd stolen, and found a little gem entitled, A Framework for Understanding Non-Local Mental Inputs. The paper had been assembled from numerous experiments designed to scientifically distill the dynamics of telepathy. Most importantly, it determined that psychics were often more receptive to non-local data when scrying from within hyper-relaxed states, even inebriation. Drawing upon that insight, I procured a syringe of diazepam, compliments of the largely untended hospital I visited. <laughs> the wonders of the new post-waking world, where all you needed was a red-painted shirt and a dream. The distinction between being mad and enlightened was razor-thin within the city, but my disguise such as it was, allowed me to move about with relative ease. Granted, there were a few times when I was obliged to spew some formulation of the local dogma, which didn't require much creativity on my part. A simple combination of volume and the repetition of phrases like, he is the one behind the all, put him on a pike, we are all Magosa's children, and into him we all go. I admit that I might have embellished a few lines, even getting others to chant some of my unique elaborations. I was especially proud when I got a small crowd to chant, 
The best part of waking up is Magosa. It was a young crowd, so perhaps they'd never partaken of Folger's dark, sparkling flavor crystals. Absorbing various bits of information as I moved through the city, I became aware of a certain condition. Apparently, while we'd all woken up from whatever kind of bizarre sleep had overtaken us, there were some whose recent dreams seemed to recall some semblance of the forgotten insanity, causing no small distress and, in some cases, even profound illness. Many of these individuals had been interred, put away. That is, when they weren't altogether done away with on account of their ceaseless screaming. Given that psychics were thought to be a rather sensitive breed, I reasoned that what, who, I sought, might be among these shuddered and distressed dreamers. They'd all been stuffed inside an old warehouse, given the barest necessities, lined up next to one another. My hackles rose at the sight of the squalor, where the world put its undesirables, and for reasons it kept to itself. I wondered how many of them had been archbishops or billionaires before becoming the rabble of the new world. There was, however, a temptation to speculate whether the world had in fact improved for its long rest rethinking its previous methods. But the more I moved about, the more I realized it was merely an iteration of the same logic, the same preferential cruelty, the raising of fools, and all that it entailed. The new world may have changed the star players of its game, but not the rules. I entered the spiral before walking the lanes of the stricken, the world slowing down where I slipped between its clutching fingers. All the wretches, in varying degrees, reflected a toxic wisdom, a knowing that slowly killed those who partake of it. Yet there was one, an old woman, whose eyes shone brighter than the rest, whose health hadn't succumbed to the taste of forbidden fruit. Huddled in the back of the room, she kept her distance from the wailing masses, her eyes careful and sharp. Coming out of the spiral from without the shadows nearest her, she didn't so much as blink at my sudden appearance. Tell me, old woman, why did you choose to come here? You're capable of bearing your burden. I can tell. She weighed the moment, her head craning a bit, as if trying to tune into my specific reason for approaching her. Satisfied with whatever she detected, her words came casually enough. Because it's safe here. Being neglected by those fools outside is about the best I can hope for right now. It's the same reason, or thereabouts, that you wear their symbol without sharing their faith. <laughs> True enough. But you do have the dreams I've heard so much about, correct? I do. And you want to know what they are, huh? To make sense of all of this? Not at all. What happened, happened. I desire your insight for an altogether different purpose. I'm guessing, in fact, I'm certain that you were a woman of unconventional wisdom before the sleep. 
Therefore, you're better at managing the unbidden influx of information. These painful dreams and such. Hmm, from where I'm standing, it's you who has the second sight. I can't see why you need me to tell you anything. My knowledge comes from deduction. An entirely different animal compared to your methods. I need you to find some people for me. I'll do what I can, provided you get me out of this city. That's not a problem. Though, you won't find much outside of it, just the fallout from whatever nightmare we all woke up from. But you probably know this. I do. And I'd rather take my chances holed up in some abandoned farm, or, or even the woods. If I stay here much longer, I'm liable to wind up on a pike. Then you've only to tell me what I want to know. A man named Dylan Wicket, and a woman, Genevieve Castellano. Where can I find them? Do you have anything of theirs? Something I can focus on? I don't. But, from what I understand of your gift, you might also use an item of mine. Something I've imprinted myself upon, provided it represents a bond, even if only symbolic, between myself and those I seek. <laughs> You're a strange one, for sure. Rattling off esoteric facts like you read them from a textbook. Actually, they came from a preprint. But here, take this. I've already killed several people with it, and I can think of no better symbol that best epitomizes the bond I share with the people I'm after. Uh, very, very well then. Taking my knife into her feeble hands, the old woman closed her eyes, shaking slightly from the effort of scrying. About a minute into her psychic search, she dropped my knife to the floor, her hand clamping over her mouth to express a scream. <gasps> Who the hell? What the hell are you people? The things I saw are unbelievable. And that woman, Genevieve, she carries a monster inside her. You're... You're all monsters! Hmm. It appears that you are genuinely gifted, as you do seem to have us all in mind. Now, where might I find them? I saw a woman, a horrible, wicked woman, rising from a lake of blood and bodies. She... she looked at me. She's as old as killing. I asked you where they are, not who they are. I need a place, a direction. Be quick about it. I don't know where she is, Vive, but I saw the other one, that grinning creature of yours. Wicked. I thought I'd heard the name before. He's a serial killer. I suppose. But he's more than the sum of his body count, old woman. We both are. Now, where can I find him? I saw him killing. Killing and smiling. He was inside what looked like a hospital. Wait, you were just at a hospital too. You have a syringe in your pocket. You mean to use it on me? Calm yourself. I was going to use it should whomever I sought out require a sedative to augment the range and potency of their psychic facility. 
but your talent is more than sufficient as is. You even saw the syringe I was carrying. Now, do you have a name for this hospital wherein you saw Dylan? Uh, Saints Hospice? No, uh, Saint, Saints uh, Medical. Ah, Saints Memorial Hospital. That's it. I get the impression that it's east of here, somewhere near the Ozarks, I guess. I've never had visions like that before. So, so vivid, powerful. Something about that woman, that red woman. Or maybe it's because the world's changed some. <laughs> Hard to say. Whatever the reason, you did exactly what I wanted. So a deal's a deal. I will bring you out of here. No, no, you just leave me be, in one piece, alive. That's all I want. Please, just, uh, just go. If that's all you want from me, so be it. But before I go, and now that our business is done, what do you see, old woman, when you dream? I see the smallest flashes of what we all got up to before we snapped out of our stupors. I see hell. Hmm. Interesting. Apparently the rebel angels found the world as intolerable and inane as I do, even that they chose to abandon it. It wouldn't surprise me one bit to know that reason and taste are more befitting the fallen legions than the shining host. Independence is, after all, a more demanding game. One must be clever and discerning to survive, let alone flourish. Compliance, on the other hand, all one requires are strong knees. After leaving the old seer to her fate, I decided it was time for me to rest in earnest, as I'd only taken the occasional catnap along my route to Honey Flats, not wanting to fall too deeply asleep while pulled off the road. I trained myself long ago to govern my sleep, how to stay within a hair's breadth from waking, starting at the slightest sound. But now I felt like indulging in a good long sleep, as I had plans to fulfill before I left the city. I would kill the leader of the Magosans. Whoever they were, the world had chosen them, through a process that greased its wheels with caprice and vulgar favoritism. I would make the world choose again, and from a much smaller pool of candidates. My room for the night was situated in the back of an abandoned church, a structure I'd chosen due to the multitude of dried corpses that had been nailed to its many crosses. Generally, I would kill someone of prominence and sleep upon their bed, surrounded by the opulence the world had heaped upon them. But not tonight. Tonight, I wanted to dwell on all that I had seen since awakening. Reckon with it. Let it seep into my bones. I also wanted to know how much time we'd blacked out. There he is. You see? I knew I saw someone come in here, to this place of blasphemy. Seize him! It appeared I had exhausted the freedoms a painted shirt could afford. 
but I was in no mood for killing, at least not by my own hands, so I took an unorthodox approach to ridding myself of the fools. Do you know who it is that you accuse? I am the newly anointed Red Cardinal of Magosa. And who are you? You who would insult Magosa. You who think the Lord of Lord fears the fiction that was once groveled to in this stone ruin. What? Wait, that, that's, that's not... I came here because everything belongs to our Lord, this place, and all places like it. He has nothing to fear here, so I have nothing to fear here. Yet you would take this place out of bounds, take away what belongs to Magosa, give it away to a false god? Yeah, Murray, what the fuck? I... I, I th that's not what I meant. What you meant, Murray, was to pilfer from the one true god, to dignify false faiths, to insult Magosa. And you other three, do you stand with this one, this apostate? No, no, wait with him. He's... He's been lying to us, trying to get us to turn against Magosa. You fucking scumbag, Murray. Well, you're a goddamn traitor to the faith. And why should I believe you three, when the lot of you could be turncoats? No, please, please, he, he fooled us. It was, it was all him, all, all Murray. No, guys, wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm one of you. I was just doing what I was supposed to. He's, he's lying, he... If he doesn't speak for the three of you, then I suggest you deal with this blasphemer as we deal with all his kind. You're going on a pipe, Murray, you fucking bastard. No! No, stop! Stop! I didn't do anything! I just... Club him quick! No, guys! Hey! I... Ah! That's done it. He's out cold. Very good. Now, slip unseen into the deepest woods. Find a dead tree and fashion a spike from its stoutest limbs and place Murray upon it. Pray within the shadow of his corpse for one full day, asking Magosa to forgive your folly. Should the one true god not send a messenger to strike you down by the end of your vigil, you may return and consider yourselves forgiven. We, we will, Lord Cardinal, sir. We will, uh, thank. Go, before I change my mind. I was tempted to leave the leader of the Magosans alive, as I might not up doing the world a favor. But I was what I was, and I had my work cut out for me. In an abundance of caution, I decided to relocate to a new, temporary residence, as there was no telling what other fools saw me enter the church. This time, I took care to remain unseen, as my stolen clothing no longer assured my freedom of movement. The storage unit wasn't perfect, but it had all I needed. Namely, a mattress and bedding that had been sealed away in plastic. Also, the darkness was absolute, so there was nothing stopping me from sinking right into sleep and staying there for a while.
The only thing concerning me at that point were the strange trees that swayed close to the storage lot, where they protruded from piles of the long dead, their shadows beneath the moon appearing monstrous as I passed through them. And as with the inhuman shadows from the apartment complex, they felt colder. As I settled down upon the mattress, I recalled my reflection from the rearview mirror of my stolen car, how I hadn't seemed to age much since the last time I'd seen it. The facts seemed unaccountably odd to me, as each time I tried to remember what happened before I woke up on that half-skinned mountain, my sense of time stretched out, intimating a vast gulf of unremembered time. And I can't say that I was entirely unconcerned, that when next I awoke, the world will have changed again, and I would be that much farther from my long-lost companions. But I took some courage from the old crone's words, her fear, after she glimpsed Vive and Wicked. We were a company of monsters, and I could feel something dark moving us back together, and the world would suffer for the reunion. I sprung awake to the sounds of a slaughter, but the moment my eyes opened, the sounds vanished. Assuming the calamity the residual of a nightmare, I proceeded to get up, as I could see daylight lining the bottom of the door. Stepping outside, the silence of mad crowds and gunshots and loudspeakers struck me as peculiar. Where had the mad mobs of Magosans gone? There were at least several hundred or so of them collected in the city square the last time I checked. Burning fires, dancing around pikes, and generally extolling the virtues of their aggregate god. But not now. The city seemed completely empty. Despite the wide vacancy of the city, I could feel eyes on me, but where they beamed from, I couldn't tell. Moments before I planned to enter the spiral, I caught sight of drifting smoke and the smell of roasting meats. Turning the street corner, I was confronted with a bizarre sight. Piles and piles of smoldering bones lined the main drag, some of which still held a smattering of meat upon them. Not one to be distracted from more pressing details, I realized something far more curious than the bones. There were entirely different houses gathered along the street. None of them were present the day before, I was certain of it. Even if I didn't have an excellent memory, I would have thought the sight strange, as the houses were of types that had no business standing at the edges of the main street. There were log cabins, three-story brick Victorians, farmhouses, colonials, villas, split levels. Trying to reconcile what I saw with some strain of logic, I caught sight of a face through the window of a nearby bungalow, the symbol of Magosa faintly visible through the thin curtains. Instantly, the shutters around the window slammed shut of their own accord. A few moments later, and I watched another Magosian limp from a distant cottage, a steel shovel filled with smoking human debris clutched in their hands. 
After dumping the remains into a smoldering heap upon the curb, the person shambled back into the house, their movements reminding me of the sluggish gait of death row inmates, of which I'd seen plenty. Then it struck me. Every one of the buildings, as distinct as they may have looked, were unified by the thick black smokes that tumbled from their chimneys. Were people being burned inside the houses? Was this some kind of Magosian ritual? The slightest sound from behind caused me to whirl around, my hand reaching for a pistol. Yet, no one was there, except for a gigantic mansion. It took up the entire street and rose above the tallest building, its windows burning bright, rectangular eyes that tried to fix me to the spot. Another whisper of movement and I turned again. Almost all the houses, which just seconds ago were lining the street, had nearly closed a massive circle around me. The sound of settling foundations and creaking doors and churning furnaces filled the air like the whine of wolves waiting for their turn to feed. In the span of a single stupefying moment, I'd gone from a clever monster to cornered prey. Red Mother is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Stephen Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia.